Yeah. Hello, it's me. Living Truthfully's answering machine. The number one truthful answering machine. Now, before you leave a message, let me ask. Why do you people like telling little little lies especially on phone? Like you tell someone that you are on your way. To give you five minutes and when asked how far you are. You respond you are very near. Two hours later, you are still very very near, actually almost like five minutes away. Ah? Anywho. Press 1 to practice how to say the truth on phone. Press 2 if you normally tell the truth. If you are one of those fake, I am very near. Give me 5 minutes please hang up. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time it is, wherever you are. Welcome to Living Truthfully. The podcast, and it's February 2021. January was like 2020 in itself. And I'm glad I survived it. How have you survived it? How are you doing? What's going on in your world? I know you guys are behaving like COVID is gone, eh? but it hasn't gone. And so you need to keep washing your hands, wearing your mask. Be careful, Bana. And now there's another one I'm hearing called MERS, the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome or something like that. Guys, you need to be careful. Keep watching yourself. Make sure you're okay. Make sure you're, you're taking care of your family and your loved ones, not just for yourself, but for the people around you. But yeah, please tell me how you're doing. Please, tell, please give me feedback on amanimaranga at gmail.com or give me feedback on um, social media. Amani Maranga on all social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Also, I have started a thing. It's called Buy Me A Coffee. Yes. So basically how it works is uh, if you like this podcast and you like what you're hearing, feel free to buy me a coffee. You can do that via Mpesa uh, on, a, on the till number. It's on a pay bill. It's a buy goods. 530-527-530-5207. Feel free to buy me a coffee or uh, you can go to buymeacoffee.com stroke Amani and uh, you'll find a way if you're abroad to, to buy me a coffee. Thank you for the coffee, by the way. I really appreciate it. Now with me in studio, I have uh, my good friend. He's not a stranger to you, Mr. Tosh. Oh, I have another friend as well. There's a guy called Shaka around here. If you hear me making reference to Shaka, He's my new pup. And so um, he's, he's around sniffing, sniffing. He's, this is his first podcast recording. So be nice to him. Uh, but I have Tosh on studio. And Tosh is an old friend. Anthony Moniki, you know him. We've had a couple of pods with him. Notably, I think episode 26, which we had with his dad. So I, I, I read books. Mm. And we used to compete uh, to, to, read, to read books. Uh, and nobody wanted to be last. Me, I would use my power to read it first. <laughs> you know, had a conversation with his father. We, we learned about the Kontiki expedition, amongst other things, Julius Caesar. Um, and Tosh and I, a few weeks ago, about a week ago, uh, took, you know, one final trip with his father to Nyeri. Uh, unfortunately, his dad passed away, and, you know, we buried him last week. And Tosh has 
graciously agreed to come and have a conversation with us. Tell us what he learned from his father. Tosh karibu. Asante sana Amani, it's uh, good to be here. Uh, last time we recorded in a different uh, lounge. Yeah. <laughs> with the river. Yeah, in the background. Now yeah. I have Ngongrud bana. <laughs> But at least you have a friend uh, called Shaka. <laughs> I have a friend called Shaka. Now I have Ngongrud, no river. But this is the neighborhood you grew up in. Yeah, but also let me say you've done a great job. You know uh, Amani finally broke his uh, what do you call some people call them Wellingtons. Sisi watu wa Nairobi or Shags we call them Gambus. Is that is that how you're going to start this conversation? But I broke no, I, I broke my Wellington. No, okay. but you know that the result is phenomenal. I mean, you should see Amani's uh, lawn. It's looking green even in this Juakali January. Um, he has done a great job. Thanks, Congratulations. Thanks. Asante sana. No, no, I, I respect it. Cuz I told you. Yeah. Me I, I imported water from Bowser's. <laughs> I mean, I spent so much money trying to get a loan and I said me and grass we are done. Yeah, well, <laughs> I really wanted grass. You know, if I, uh, I was moving from an apartment and when I found this place and I was very happy with it, I really really wanted grass. Mm-hmm. And you saw how it was before. It was a it was a bush. It's looking good. It's Thank looking you. good. So I I think it's just a jealousy thing, you know. I <laughs> I really had worked hard on my grass. I had But worked. you have nice grass now. Yes, that's for sure. That's for sure. You have nice grass now. It worked. Courtesy of my wife. Yeah. I told her me if I touch the grass it will die. <laughs> you see this you know touch this is working for me. Because you know, I mean niko kwa soko. Sasa you your wife has helped to do grass me mm. I don't have one mm. and my 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 companion is now a male dog mm. a male puppy I want to say this because uh, it's going to be controversial but it's fine mm. but uh, I need a chick who can add more value than a garden companionship because <laughs> I've, I've sorted those out and you're, I can cook so it has to be something it has to be something phenomenal bana so if you're out there and you've got something phenomenal Uh wait until next year. <laughs> okay, hit me up. Let me hear. Let me hit me up. Thanks Tosh for Buy him a coffee. Buy me a coffee. Ah, that's nice. In fact, it's February. Uh it's Valentine's. And uh, you know, me and Shaka will be doing Valentine's here by ourselves. But I'm happy to leave to dump Shaka for a coffee. So, please buy me a coffee. Tosh. Yes, sir. How are you, man? I'm good. Uh, I guess uh, in the circumstances, I'm, mm. I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, I, th- I think, as you said, uh, we we um, took a final journey with someone who was part of my life mm. since I entered this world mm. uh, in many, many ways, more than ways than one. And so... Um, Yeah it it it's, it's, it takes adjusting it takes uh, getting used to it it um and so we're in that process I can't but I'm thankful mm. yeah I'm thankful I don't know if I ever I didn't I don't know if I even said Paula to you man you did I did eh? yes. I don't know if I said my sincere <laughs> condolences <laughs> I think we just got straight to work and you know sometimes you forget to say the things that are important Paula man Asante to me Paula Nimepoa and my family tumepoa mm. but as i said we are all in a journey of 
Yeah, or figuring out life after yes, after yes, dad. Yes. You know your dad was an incredible human being. I knew that when I met you. <laughs> That's why I wanted to meet him. I knew that when I met him. But hearing his stories, you know, when people were giving tributes and that that was phenomenal, you know, a man of integrity, a cook, a baker, um, you know, a, a warrior, <laughs> you know, fight, fighting off thugs, you know, uh, brave, well-traveled, all those, you're such a really good man, a good father to your sister, especially, you know. Um, I feel like the he set such a high bar for fathers of daughters. I have stress. Well, he left me stress as well, Amani. You know, I, I listened to my daughter's um, tribute to him. Mm-hmm. My grandfather, or Michael Carr, as we used to call him, was not only my grandfather, but was also one of my best friends. He was a role model, a loving, trustworthy, honest Lion, I can't. I don't have words to describe how amazing he was. He was truly the best grandfather I have ever had. No one can replace him in my heart. He used to make me feel special, like I had a reason to live. I'm an A-star student because of him. He's helped me to become who I am today. He taught me so much. Things that not even teachers or my teachers will ever teach me. He would sing for me and when he would sing for me, I would smile so hard I would just like to tell him thank you thank you so much for everything for loving me for taking care of me for just being you because without him I would never ever ever be who I am today I just wish I could tell him just one last time that I love you. Uh, and I thought, you know, I... He almost became... He almost overtook me as the leading man. In fact, I, I would say he did as he the did. leading I, man. I, I, let's, just, let's just call it what it is yeah, in I my mean, daughter's life. Eh? Yeah, it was, he was the one. And so not only, it just seems that now I have, I not only have to be a father, I have to be something bigger because her grandfather played such a significant role. And I think it was amazing to just listen even to his other grandchildren and other people and just see the, the how he was able to move outside mm-hmm. what I would call his peer group. And mm-hmm. and I have friends, like I, and it wasn't it's for true. I have friends who I introduced to him and they became his friends. So mm-hmm. they were not... They did not know him because he was my father. They knew him now because they, they were had, friends. They had a relationship with him. Yeah, and even if I wasn't there, they, they, they would do their thing. 
such an incredible story man mm-hmm. I, i think i think he he was intentional you know and 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 i think with him i've seen i've seen the meaning of that word mm-hmm. because you don't the things that you do as because you, it's your personality mm-hmm. and i think part of that was his personality mm-hmm. and then the things that you do because you're being intentional you know you you you're being deliberate about it and and i feel like he was he was like that he was very deliberate about the building relationships and you know i was i was thinking about some of the things we've had conversations about the the things that you want to record as well um and you, you talk about community that guy built community he did and and i think amani one of the things that as i look back mm. was that he seemed he had a set he had a, a he had a, some priorities and he there were not things he spoke about there were things he that were priorities and mm. you could see it by the mm. choices that he made um i can tell you for certain that uh, my mother and we his children were his priorities there was no doubt about that um i think you've had, you may have had it discussed in one of those uh, the meetings that we had mm. that my dad got us some i think it was a scholarship to go and uh, do a phd mm-hmm. in the us mm-hmm. and it was one of the top universities in the us the university of pennsylvania wow. ivy league mm. and in the middle of that i i'm not sure what informed it but he made a decision that he's not going to stay on because he's needed to be back home here and parent his children. And so he, he he was going to come and finish the PhD here. But I think once he stepped back on Kenyan soil, took up some of his uh, government responsibilities and of course parenting. Mm. I think that thing just took a back burner. And uh but it it talks a lot because other people would say, he just felt that this was his legacy. His legacy was not going to be whether he published papers in some journals or was called Dr. Moniki but that people he could look at his children and feel that they had gotten the best of what he could give whether it was time whether it was resources and whether it was training some of it i must say was very painful mm. uh, we talked about integrity i have a i have many painful Mm. I had painful reminders of integrity. <laughs> and I remember once, you know, he had brought me money I I it even it, it annoys me that that pen is not with me. He had brought me a pen. I was in primary school. It was a you know the, the pen of that time was Parker. Parker pen. A Parker pen. This mm. pen was was something else. Eh? Yeah. yeah. And I to go and sort of floss in school as mm. we, you know show off show the kids. I I took it to school. Mm. And it got stolen. And I don't know how you know parents have this thing of just figuring out something's yeah, the miss. Yeah. And so one day out of the blue he asked me that pen I bought you. Do you still have it? I know for a moment I thought about what I should say and I told him yes I do. <laughs> and he said you're sure? I said yes. Where is it? I told him it's in school. So he said tomorrow you'll bring it. I said sawa sawa. <laughs> you know I went to that school and I looked in that school everywhere i could think i opened desks i i pleaded with people i said if you have this pen please i'll do whatever but by the time i went home there was no pen and uh, he walked in and he 
of his coat, sat down, and then he said, Moniki, yeah. I said, yes, dad, the, you have the pen? I said, no. What happened? It was stolen. And he asked me, did you know that yesterday? I told him, yes, I did. So he told me, you lied to me? I said, yes, I did. And he said, you know, I will punish you not because you lost the pen, but because you lied. Because you cannot lie. Lying is unacceptable. Mm. And I, the walloping, the beating that I got, <laughs> I remember to this day. And I remember it in a good way because I tell people, even when I start to consider, contemplate mm. telling a lie, the, this side of my backside starts to feel sensations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you, yeah. I think, doing your tribute yes. uh, in church and yes. you saying the way your backside starts getting warm. Yes. You know, when, 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 when you contemplate telling a lie, that's, that's a very good story. Yeah. And so when I was young, it was, it, it was the lessons were painful. Mm. But as I grew older, I, they were modeled. Mm. And I learned that integrity and he had a price has a cost mm. i think we we want to to have um i think we like to clothe ourselves or give ourselves you know say we are people of integrity but it's many of us do not want to pay the, the price and he paid a hefty price he was kicked out of a job he was hounded out of other jobs simply because he chose to do the right thing and be a person of integrity and that was that's a profound lesson for me because it's sometimes it's just easier you know the policeman stops you give him give him two g's and move on mm. why why go to a court sit there and waste your whole day come out having paid a heftier fine give the guy two g's and walk but that's not what we were taught that's not what we saw that's not what i saw i saw that it whatever it cost you and i and I remember, I think there was a, a reverend who, one of his close friends, a mm, reverend who mm, spoke, mm. and he said that my father told him, you know, I've lost everything. everything. Yeah. But he said, I've not lost Jesus. I've <clears> not <throat> lost my faith. Mm. I've not lost my integrity. And it, it was that was him, that integrity. And this faith that we have, that we, where we say we call on Jesus, that we are disciples of Jesus, it comes, it often has a cost. And we must, if we are to stand, we must be willing and ready to pay the cost. You know, it's interesting because I don't even think his integrity was a factor of faith only. Yeah. Because he was not always a man of faith. You know, but you sort of get the sense that he was, he was still a man of integrity, even when he hadn't crossed over in terms of faith. Yeah, I never met my grandfather, my Tunnel, his father. Mm. Um, unfortunately, he died when my dad was about somewhere. Be- I, I've had numbers of say that seven or nine, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. But when my father spoke of him, he spoke about my, his father's integrity, his mother's integrity, mm. and especially also his father's grace mm. and his willingness to forgive. And mm. I think the the what do I call it? The, the, those qualities were mm. passed down to him from them. And in a, I believe and I pray that we, he has been able to inculcate them into us and that we can pass them on. Mm. Because they, they're the ones, they're the, I, I think when you strip a lot of stuff away, all the things that we have, mm. then you find that at the core is if you're not, you know, like they say integrity is, it comes from that word integer. Mm. One, your yeah. whole. Yeah. 
So when you're stripped of everything, what do people find? What is at its core? What is your one? And I think uh, what he learned from his father, what he learned from his mother, um, because he speaks of them. He mm. used to speak of them a lot. Mm. Uh, was was one of those things that he passed <clears throat> down to us. You know, the story of him being forgiven by his father was a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> the song was... Yes. It was so funny. Such a good story. Uh, before you go to the lessons, because I see you've mm. written some thoughts. Yes. Um, I think the other thing that really struck me was um, your mom mm. and her devotion mm. to not just your dad, mm. but to their relationship. Mm-hmm. Sorry, this, these are the effects of Ngongrud. I replaced the river with Ngongrud, so you get some sirens here and there, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I remember your mom being very comfortable in the conversation when we we went to 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 speak to your dad in in, in Nyeri, <clears throat> and how she just was very comfortable around him. That that struck me, and that was interesting because you're like, okay, how long? I didn't even know they had been over fifty years together at that time, but you, you can tell that these two have been together for a long time. They are codependent, you know. They have a. It's like we have to breathe the same air. air. But because I've had the privilege of watching her take care of your dad and uh, listening to her also pay tribute and call him my darling, you know, all these endearing terms. For me, that was so... I don't see old... It was quite... Sorry. Uh What's the word? I was shocked. Uh (laughs) Because... I don't see old people as using terms of endearment like that. Darling, my dear, loving. You know, it's like, you know, that's what I see. But it was very different with your folks. What's, what's the, what's that, what was that dynamic like watching your folks love each other? I must uh, confess, I think uh, as a young person, we i couldn't say that i i we i would that you know i clearly saw it mm. what i saw was that uh, we they were devoted to each other and they mm. were devoted to us mm. i think not in the in the hollywood style that mm. we know you know the we have a certain way where it's always about touch and all these other things but it was clear that that they were devoted to one another and they were devoted to us and that uh, you could not, you know, the way you could think you could pull one, uh, you sort of play one against the other. That mm. was that would never happen. And so we grew up knowing that this, this, this two people care about each other, and they care about us, and that mm. there is a certain stability uh, that that brought into the environment in which we grew up. Um, I mean, they would. Uh, like I think I told you the other mm. time, I once came home just across the road from here, mm. and uh, I, I think I had gone out uh, for rugby. We had spent the weekend in Nakuru, and mm. at that time I was a person who was also like to party. And mm. I came back, and my as, as you'd have it, I was hanged over, my head was throbbing, and I remember him and my mom laughing. Mm. 
<laughs> and my father laughed and he laughed <laughs> and you're selling my mom look at your son and he would laugh and they would laugh and you know you're thinking why are you laughing do you know how miserable this this headache yeah, but they enjoyed laughing together and i think as even now especially more so when we all when they became empty nesters mm. i think the a newness was forged into that relationship where they you know they they spent a lot of time together they prayed together and i think especially once faith sort of bound them mm. it changed something because now they would pray together they would discuss god's word together they would pray for us children together it suddenly i think created a new sense of a, a certain glue that went beyond just the normal uh, i would say human affection it it was bound by something a, a, a lot stronger and as i think as they they figured out like my dad as you had my mom say he called her kenya mm-hmm. the uh, the one who brings me joy, yeah, joy yeah. which is a, a spin out of naomi because naomi means the pleasant one yeah and so there were all these uh, things so for us you know you didn't think about it until later on when you had yeah and that's why like my daughter is called kenya it was a tick from from that name wow all right a lot of big shoes to fill in there man mm. um are you feeling the pressure because <laughs> uh, you've, you've got to try i'm here to put pressure on your life so <laughs> i think what i have a money is uh, a great role model mm. i think what i came to learn from my dad over time is that then also you must chart your own path because mm. you're your own individual mm. uh, to try and be him would be very difficult to do i don't have the uh, i didn't have the same set of um, life experiences that shaped him mm. but then in my journey can i draw lessons from him the lessons of integrity the lessons of prioritizing the the, the ability to uh, be devoted and committed to your family the willingness to be devoted let me say not the ability but the willingness to be devoted and committed to your family um working on relationships that i think is one that i have to put a bit more effort in but what as i walk my journey can i do um and can i learn from him as i encounter mm. when under pressure to 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 conform can i remember that there's a price uh to integrity there's a price to faith there's a price to even being devoted to your family because uh, my dad could have made could have risen up the the ladders of whether government or yes, let's say some international organizations that wanted to give him work but he would sidestep certain opportunities because he asked what impact would they have on my family if they separate me if they mean that I'm away from home more often than I should be how will that play out in how my children grow and what my family will be like Uh, because really your i think what i i saw especially now towards the end mm-hmm. that when life as i say is stripped of everything then what you invested in starts yeah, to what, show yeah did you invest in your children i think someone once told me <clears throat> the amount you invest in your children is directly proportional to the time the amount of time they will invest in you when you're older and i think you saw that almost on a daily basis yeah all all of you guys are yeah yeah and that it, we were not there because we were required to be mm-hmm. we are there because 
he was there when we he, we needed him it was our turn wow so my my for me my question will be what am i investing in and will it stand the test of time you know uh maybe to give you some comfort as well i don't know and that's comfort i looked at especially you because i know your your circles mm. and your bro emos yes you guys are strong relationships man asanti and we thank everybody who really came yeah, through you, for who just stood with us we got strong relationships because i saw people rally around you mm. and i was very was moved you have good friends it was it was very interesting to watch you have really good friends and thank you thank you and yeah. i so thank the, all well. of them yeah you've done well you've done well to invest in some in some good relationships so mm. lessons from your father i mean we've discussed some of them um but i want to hear you know straight from you just what 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 does that look like what's your what's your take out from his life and now a word from our sponsors is your team performing like a formula 1 team because it should it should be high performing and with great precision after over 13 years of building teams for some of the biggest companies in Kenya and Uganda i have developed the ultimate team building thought process named pitstop now this process will help your team build trust become innovative and increase performance Now, if this sounds like the team you want to work with even with the challenges brought in by covid-19 shoot me an email on amanimaranga@gmail.com and i will work at bringing your team to performing like a formula 1 team and now back to our story lessons from your father i mean we've discussed some of them um but i want to hear you know straight from you just what 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 does that look like what's your what's your take out from his life i guess i'll run through a few of money mm. um it was difficult to sort of even sort of limit to find out what what can what would i say because i, I tell people i i think in very many ways i'm my father's son I realized this once when we when I when uh, as you know I married from Luonyanza and one of the things that I was required to do is uh, I was told that uh, the, the the cows for the dowry must walk into the homestead mm-hmm. so we had to go to Kisumu get cows and uh, drive them into the my in-laws homestead mm-hmm. and we drove down with my parents and they were having this uh, engagement with my, my dad and my mom were having an engagement and I was like a you know a silent observer like a fly in the wall it's almost like I was not there and when I listened to how they have their back and forth and I listened to my father and I said you know it's like listening to myself <laughs> the stream of thought some of his arguments and mm. whatever so I, I I think in many ways I know in many ways he has shaped me mm. but some of the things that have really stood out for me one is that um love is not a feeling it's an action or let me say it's both mm. uh, but without the action then the feeling is really grossly inadequate mm. and i my dad acted out his love 
Um, I think one of the things I shared uh, was the fact that when I uh, graduated from high school and was preparing to go to university at the time, you had to go what was through what was called pre-university training at the National Youth Service yes. out in Gilgil. Mm. And I remember it was a three-month program, and almost every Saturday, uh, my father would come to visit me with a, a gallon of cold passion juice and uh, some either beef or chicken sandwiches. Mm. And these are money were made by him here at home. He Both would, the passion juice and the sandwiches. Yes, he would buy the passion fruits. He would scoop out the star, the, you know, the thing. And I've done that them, job. Yeah, okay. whisk them and make juice and then put it in the freezer so that it would freeze. Mm. So that by the time he got to Gilgil two and a half hours later, it had just still, thawed yeah, and it was still cold. cold. And you know, we can imagine cold juice on a hot Gilgil. Yeah. And then the sandwiches, you would boil the chicken or the meat, keep them, and then you know slice it and mm. make the, the sandwiches. It was an amazing wow. meal, a show of love. Wow. And I think for me, the question then is, am I really acting? Am I acting out my love? Do mm. people around mm. me, can they see my love in action? Because and, I, and if you listen to my siblings and if I brought them here, each of them mm. has a story. Uh, my brother talked about the finding a, a significant amount of money in a book that was sent to him mm. at the time he was in, in London. Yes, to London. Um, my sister has her own stories of just the things of being taken and looked after in Namibia, all expenses paid. Um, we have all these stories. And so from, I think I learned that love is not just this, the feeling that we, or, and that we sing about. It's really an action, mm. something that we do. Mm. And it can cost, wow. and it costs. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very good. I think the, you know, that image of your dad, and there's a servitude to, 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 to eat. Huh? Yes. Because I think everyone spoke about your dad's cooking. Mm. At least all your siblings yes. spoke about your dad's cooking. But not just about the cooking, but how it was a show mm. of love. And, and, and in a sense, devotion. Um, I mean, the money you can think about it, he's, and we heard my sister speak about it, that he's in his a hospital bed mm. and he's making calls to people in Karatina to buy, to go to the, to pack domas and guaches and all sorts of things, put them on a 2NK matatu, <laughs> which would be collected here in Nairobi because he's, he knows his kids like guaches and domas, sweet potatoes and arrowroots. I mean, in, in hospital, you had expect him just to chill. Mm. Yeah. In fact, even just that call you talked about for, you know, you call and ask whether you have food. Mm. And you're adults with your own families and... Earning our own money. Earning your own money. And you've done it for a while. Yes. And, you know, and the guy is still calling to ask whether he can send you food. Mm. Ah, bro. Mm. That's love in action. Mm. Anyway, continue. <laughs> I think the second thing is that everything we have, mm. we are given... A, is given to us to be stewards over. Mm. I think we we live in a world where when I, I get when I have a position in a company or I have money or I have power, it's really felt that it's for me in a sense huh? mm. that I've earned it. I think my, I learned from dad that you're a steward, even when he had resources at his disposal in government government cars, he never used them for his own. You know, for things for himself. Mm. 
He used them for the good of the office or the people that he was serving, the country as a large. So, like I said, we never, we, re, we would only get a ride in a GK if it was, were for some reason traveling in the same direction he was traveling in on official duty. Mm. But pick you up from school? No never. way. And so that was it. He, he, he would, um, and our home, our home was, was an open door, really. Was uh, that, yeah. Yeah, so we, we had relatives, and they, many of them, my cousins speak about it, how they, it was like a, it was a stopover. It was a place where you stopped over moving to, you know, it was a transition point. You're going to campus, you're going to school, you're going somewhere. And they, they would find a home in our, in, in, where we lived. But not even that. I mean, I, he would bring strangers, you know, you'd find a schoolboy he met on the street who was lost and couldn't get to school and you'd bring him, feed him, have him clean himself, you know, have, have a place for the young man to clean himself. And then in the morning, off they would be and he would put him on a bus and make sure he go to school. Um, so they were just, he was a steward. His resources uh, that were put at his disposal, his leadership, all these things he, he knew, he understood he was a steward of. And that leadership was a tool to serve, not a tool to lord over people. And so I, I saw him serve us, I saw him serve many people around him. I mean, I, I, I remember him working with my sister late in, at night, you know, doing stuff uh, for, her, for her standard eight classes. He, he, he was a servant at, at heart. Mm -hmm. And so I learned that whatever I, I need to, to know that whatever I have, is a gift of stewardship. It's a gift for me to steward, whether they, it's my marriage, whether it's my the children, uh, uh, whether it's resources that I've put at my disposal, I need to ask, am I being a worthy steward of what God has put in my hands? Uh, which it was a powerful lesson from him. Wow. That's, you know, sometimes uh, it's seen as foolishness, you know, when you're not using the resources that are at your disposal for your own benefit but you're saying it's not foolishness it's stewardship it is and you know amani if i if i if use it for my own good then it dies with me mm. that's what i learned mm. but when i use it for someone else's good mm. it lives beyond me and there are people today that i mean who my father touched um i have a an adopted brother who my father touched in that effort of stewardship. And though dad is not with us, my brother is. Mm. So it lives beyond him. It does. Yeah. Whatever it is. It's legacy. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we've learned love is action. We've learned stewardship. I think as in recent times, uh, my dad taught me the power of forgiveness, the transformative power of forgiveness. Mm. And he talked about his own forgiveness experience with his dad, with his dad as a yeah. child. Yeah. And, uh, and I think my auntie alluded to it in the burial uh, funeral uh, service. Mm. But his own um, conversion or commitment to Christ came because he had a sermon on forgiveness. Mm. And that triggered him to forgive someone who they had had uh, issues for over eight years before he had that uh, sermon. And with that, a transformation happened. And uh, some of us say there was 
before grace and after grace dad you know the it, it brother almost <laughs> 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 uh, had uh, before grace and after grace moment yes yeah, that was funny yes and it was amazing it mm. was really amazing to see the transformative power mm. that that had and from then on dad had a statement uh, in kikuyu says digo to digo musa i will not sort of hold on to my anger throughout the night like moses and uh, he says you know we, we must always let it go you must always forgive forgiveness allows a re, a, a, the, the possibility of reconciliation the possibility of regeneration mm. the possibility of transformation you know if you look at it even for us uh, for when i come when it comes to faith what is it The, all the cross is really all about the part you know the the issue of forgiveness father forgive them for they know not what they do and so he, i learned that i need to to work on this forgiveness because if i don't forgive whatever sits in my heart is is like taking a poison pill mm-hmm. and it will eventually destroy me If I forgive if I let it go then I allow the possibility of something new something better um being able to flourish it's was not it's not been an easy it's not a lesson that is easy to put into practice and I must say this one that I work on on a day to day basis because is this you almost feel it's a sense of justice mm. there has to be there has to be payback you know the, the, you can't Uh, whether it's on the some from some guy cutting you in traffic there there needs to be mm. comp- recompense or whatever we call it but he was saying but you know you realize when you let it go there's a sense of freedom the power there's, there's no, that thing loses its power over you and you're able to you know sort of thrive it's 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 for you and so that that for me was as i've watched as i watched him over time uh became another lesson that i i that i learned from him now that's probably one of the one i struck one of the things i struggle with the most and and i i think i forgive easily when it's not it's like there's people i forgive easily and there's people i hold It's very hard for me to forgive. And I don't know how to I don't know how to overcome that. I last year I did this parenting class with Dr. Mukolo for parenting teens it's called courageous uh, parenting. And there's a scripture that he brought to my attention. Which is James chapter 2 verse 13. It says there'll be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful god will be merciful when he judges you and and here you know in in one of the one of the bible translation it says mercy triumphs over justice you know and it's such a beautiful picture painted you know mercy triumphs over justice in my head it works it works so well but in practice <laughs> i agree i mean it's it's not easy it's it's and i'm not saying that i even have it down mm. myself mm. i think it's it's 
it's daily working up and saying, you know, God, you've got to help me. This one, this one is not easy. Um, and I think more so for, you know, the, the, the people who you feel should, why are they, how can they do this to me? Uh, they, 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 how can they betray me? Whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. It's yeah. injustice. Yes. But I think what we are told is sometimes it's 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 for us. Forgiveness is for our transformation, not for the other person. Because it's that thing that I find sometimes you, when I have it, how I interact with th- that particular person, but sometimes even with other people is affected. If I'm when I'm when I'm finally able to let it go, there's a sense of freedom. Mm. Uh, it's almost like you've been unshackled. So I think we must ask, I think it's, we must ask uh, God to give us the capacity and the ability. Yeah, that, that's a big one for me. Yeah. <sighs> Any others? I think the, the one I would like to say is that, you know, in the last 12 months, I, I, I saw Dad go through the most difficult journey I think any man can go through mm. because um, illness has has costs. It takes away things that are very important, especially to us men. Autonomy, you know, the ability mm. to mm. control, to mm. run things. Mm. Um, you find yourself isolated. And my dad was very relational. Suddenly, you're in. He he was a person who would go out and and preach, and mm. uh, and suddenly he he's lost. He he was not able to do that. Um, there were just certain things we know. Uh, I think you've been ill, uh, I've been ill. We know that mm. illness comes mm. with certain mm. indignities. And I must say that my dad bore those indignities without complaint and with great grace. He brought dignity to the uh, what would be undignified. But uh, I think what I was saying is you realize that at times life can strip you of everything. Mm. And at that point, you then have to come down and say, what is... what. What is intrinsic? Where is your intrinsic value? Who are you? Who are you without the things, without the title, without the autonomy, without all these things? Are you, do you still have value? And I, I, I learned that, yeah. And I think part of it we've already talked about. You're, you realize that at that point, part of value is what you've invested in. I think we've had the statement, you reap what you sow. And my dad had sowed into us as his children, into my mother's life as his wife, into people around him. And those people came and affirmed him. They validated. He was still dad, irrespective. He was still my mom's beloved, irrespective. He was still a friend to certain people, irrespective. He was still a sibling to his sisters, irrespective. And so I learned that what you invest in, the va- that will really, at, that, at the point when you're stripped of everything, we will know where your true investments have been. Number two was, I think I talked about value. Mm. Um, where, do, where does your value come from? Is it from things that are transitory, that are variable? Or is it from something that's changing? And I feel, I sensed when we spoke with Dad that his value came from the fact that he knew he was a child of God. And it did not matter what he lost. 
he would never lose that. It's that statement that was spoken by uh, Reverend Philip Ugor at the, one of the meetings mm. that I have lost everything, but I have not lost Jesus. Mm. And Amani, I learned that it is true. You can lose everything, <clears throat> but Jesus will never leave you. And who you are to him is not dependent on what you have, how you look, whether you're healthy or ill. You're the son. You're a son. And I think that was critical because it's what helped him stand. It's what gave him dignity. It's what allowed him to be. And uh, that dignity composition is so... Uh, for me, it's such a core conversation because I've had you and your brothers and even your sister and your mom say over and over again that regardless of what he was going through, he didn't complain. You know, I feel like I've been stripped of everything once. But, you know, looking at your dad, it's not everything. Because, you know, I lost a business, I, bought, I lost my marriage, lost. But I didn't lose my health, I didn't lose my ability to do things for myself. And, you know, I didn't lose everything. I just lost some things that were defining. And maybe... And I was, I was telling you, I was having this, I don't know if I was telling you, but I was having this conversation with my biological dad, whom mm -hmm. I met not, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, and we had breakfast, and he, he was saying about how, having retired, and having done the same job for about 30 years, he feels like he's recalibrating as well, trying to figure out who he is without this job. I feel like every man needs to go through that question. Who am I when all is stripped away? Who am I when I can't do the things that I do? What makes me what makes me stand? What what do I stand on? How do I introduce myself when I don't have a title, when I don't have um I think that if if every man went through that journey and figured that out and anchored themselves in more than, like you said, transitionary things, I, I think that would be like the biggest step towards freedom for every man. You know, Amani, I think I shared with you, and maybe I, I don't know if I've shared it on this podcast. I have experienced firsthand mm. the impact of losing transitory things that mm. you had allowed to define you. Mm. Um, in 2000, and uh, I think it was 2002, <clears throat> I was preparing to go to the UK mm -hmm. for a master's program. Mm. And as part of that process, I sold everything mm. that I had owned until that time, my furniture, my electronics, my car, everything. Mm. And I remember it was a Friday when some one of my friends came and took the last piece of furniture for my house, it was a dining table. Mm. Uh, he took it and the chairs, and the house was empty. empty. No curtains, nothing. no chairs, no carpet, no cutlery, nothing. And I began to, uh, and at that point, I wondered, you know, you start asking yourself, who am I? Yeah. This was my house, yeah. this were my chairs. Yeah. This, when people came here, it sort of defined my mm, success, what, my space, I, yeah. Yeah, what I had been able to achieve. Mm. And they were gone. And I remember the, the stress of 
going back to the SQ which I used to live in in my father's house before um I left mm. to find my own space and I it was tough and this by I was telling people by that Saturday if remember everything went on a Friday mm. Saturday I started to have some hazy sort of one of my left eye started having a very sort of blurred vision and by sunday it was completely yes if i blocked my right eye i would see nothing wow and so i went to see a doctor and uh, a friend of mine called dr steve gishuhi and he asked me a series of questions and one of them is have you been under stress and all those and i said yeah Mm -hmm. i know i'm going through this through that and he said you know the condition you have is is when the 85 of people who suffer from it are men who are going through stress and so for me just you need to just relax and it should you know try and slow down just try and stress let's see how things go a week from now and a week later i was as good as new sight 2020 again <laughs> and i realized you know if you've built your life on things when they're stripped away it can destroy you. Mm. And I saw that if you build your life on something unchanging, something that will never be stripped away from you, then what it doesn't matter what your external circumstances are. That's what I learned from that. Your external circumstances can change horribly. But if what is inside of you is unchanging, then you can stand. You can bear under it. You know the um, I'm, I'm I'm looking at Kenya and Hawi your kids mm. um first I really like them and Hawi like I really like Hawi <laughs> become such good friends mm. I'm wondering what they'd say of you you know when they're your age what 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 do you want them to say You know, to be honest, if my daughter can write about me what she wrote about her wuka, I'll have done well. Wow. I think for me, I can tell you, maybe the greatest, the best tribute I had this whole time mm. was what she said about her grandfather. For me, mm. that was profound. And it said, it told me this is what I must strive to continue to invest in. Mm. I mean there were those simple words he made me feel important he celebrated me I'm an A star student because of what he when he invested mm-hmm. I mean those are words any father would love to hear and I'm so thankful that she had Haguka to do that for her and that's what I desire that I could I will build on that should my time come she can with confidence be able to say the same things Wow. I'm gonna bring this to a close and uh, unless you have something you feel you haven't you haven't shared I think my you know I learned that you know Amani we always talk about how to live well mm. I think as you've seen I, I learned the other thing from my dad is how to and I don't say this lightly how mm. to die well mm. I mean he was ready. I think he held on because of us. You could see. And I think he was ready because wow. he in his own, in his own heart he felt mm. he was right with his maker. Mm. 
In his own heart, he was very clear what happens, that death was not an end, it was a doorway. And in his own heart and in his own mind, um, his treasure was not here. Much as he loved us, his treasure was not here. It really wasn't. Yeah, and I think though there's, there's a scripture that says that where your treasure is, there your heart will mm. be also. Mm. And so I think he, his treasure was with his, was being with his maker. And for him, there was no fear. Remember we quoted Julius Caesar. Mm. Mm. Remember that thing? Yep. Cowards die many times before their deaths, but the valiant tastes of death but once. Of all the travels I yet have had, I see not why man should fear death, the necessary end. It will mm. come, but it will come. And I think for him, I saw him going to face it without fear because he knew. He knew where he was going. He knew where his treasure was. And he knew that he had prepared us. During the... <clears throat> so Tosh, first I have to say and echo the words of Pastor Amy, become very well spoken. <laughs> Not that you didn't speak well before, you just speak better. Let me uh, be able to say <coughs> that my teacher is here with me, <coughs> a certain Mr. Amani Maranga, and uh, should you want to speak better? <laughs> Uh, but that's not why I was saying this. I was saying this because, Tosh, you know, you quoted something at the, the memorial service um, that I think people are realizing later, much later, it was a boys to men song. <laughs> like, I know someone who had an aha moment actually the next day, you know, during the, the burial. But you gave such meaning to this song, and uh, if you'll allow me, I want to end with, with it. Okay. Is that okay? That's okay. Don't sing. Please. I, I will not. <laughs> Don't sing, please. When I have my podcast. When you have when you have your own podcast, you can sing. But you give you give such meaning to this song. And uh, you quoted it twice. Um and so this I guess our dedication to your dad. Thank you. Sorry, I've never told you All I wanted to say And now it's too late to hold you Cause you've always so far away
your presence for granted But I 